You know, a lot of times when a, uh, a preacher comes and is a guest preacher, at least myself, when I'm a member of the church, you have this gentleman that gets up or a lady that gets up in your church and you're like, you know, who is this person? Why are they here? There's a lot of questions that go through my mind when a guest preacher so. So I just want to, before I get into the word this morning, let me tell you a couple things about myself. Uh, number one, as you know, I'm the, the new principal at CVCA. Uh, I, I've come from Washington State, and before that I was the youth director in Rocky Mountain Conference, and before that I had the opportunity to be a chaplain for about nine years in Colorado. Before that I was a minister back east where my son was born. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing about church and about participatory worship is I truly believe in that. And what that means is, uh, I'm a preacher, I'm one person. And I've prayed over what I believe God has led me to preach about this morning. And what that means is not that you just take whatever I say and be like, oh, that's good. No, that's not what I want. I want you to take it back and I want you to dive in to see where God is taking the message to you. Because it says in Scripture, it says, present yourselves wholly and completely to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that's participatory worship. I don't believe church has ever been a place where we just come and just sit. It's a chance for us to participate in getting into the Word of God. So let's do that this morning together. And as before we do, let's have a word of prayer again. Father God, as we open your Word, Lord, it says where two or three are gathered in His name, you are there. And God, I just pray for your Spirit to continue to be with us, because already we have heard from your Spirit this morning. Bless us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your scriptures with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Uh, read from whatever version you have. And we're going to be jumping around a little bit this morning, but we're going to start out in John chapter 9. And many people are expecting a possible sermon about education and we might get to that this morning, but more important is the fact that the good news, the gospel, brings revival. And I understand you're going through a series of sermons about revival. And we know in the last days it says God will pour out His Spirit on all people. And the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out like never before. John chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says... As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, whose sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, Jewish tradition, sins and ailments were the same. If someone was born with an ailment, it was because somebody sinned. Now, here is the realization as we get into this morning's word, is the fact that we all have sinned, Scripture says. Therefore... We are, are blind. My mother and father-in-law, I love dearly. And uh, they're incredible people of prayer. And they love to participate in churches. And whatever church they belong to, they wholeheartedly pour their spirit and soul into it. And so they become you know, very active members of the church. They become elders and, and, you know, and uh, deaconesses, and they help out as much as they can. And as we all know, and, and I smelled it, maybe, I don't know if it was our potluck, somebody's potluck smelled good, but anyways, uh, you know, it always takes an incredible amount of energy to get that thing going, potlucks. 
and my mother always helps out, and they stay afterwards, and it happened to be an evening meeting, and they came and got the church ready, they turned all the lights on, and we're getting it ready, and as the, the, the meeting ended, everybody began to mingle and talk, and then one by one people left, and they were to close up the church. And mom was tired, she was ready, and it was dark, and it was in Florida, so it was kind of hot and muggy. You know, it's been a little weird, evidently, here, 105, listen, I'm from Washington State. Now, I grew up back east in the south, and that humid, humid heat is different than this. 105, it was, it was a little warm for me, because I just came from Washington. And, uh, and it was hot and humid down there, and mom was outside, she's like, Eddie, come on, let's go. And Eddie's like, okay, let me turn out all the lights. And so he's going through the church, turning out all the lights, and they'd been in this church for years. And as he turns out all the lights, he's getting that done, and es- Esther's outside waiting and waiting. He doesn't come. He doesn't come. And she's getting frustrated because she's hot. He's got the car keys and she's just waiting. She's like, Eddie, come on. And the doors are closed. So she, you know, he can't hear. She can't hear. So she opens the door and, Eddie, come on. And she hears in the distance, Esther, come help me. Now, my mom's a nurse and so is my wife. But my, my mom, she's like, what? I can't see. And you hear again, Esther, come help me. So she, she tries to find him, starts turning on the lights the hall, and there is Eddie on the ground, covered in blood. And she's like, Eddie, what happened? And he's sitting there, he's like, I turned on the lights and I couldn't see. And he had hit the corner of a hallway and just split him down his face. He was okay, but he was just covered in blood. And Esther's like, oh my goodness. She was all frustrated, and now she's like, I, I feel so terrible. But how many of us are like that, where we're in the church and we're in a safe place, but yet we are so blind, where we don't realize where God is trying to lead us, or we are foolish to turn out the light and not to continue to follow it. John chapter 9, verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You see, Jesus had it figured out. He knew that we are all spiritually blind, that we are walking around blind men. We have no clue, and some of us, in reality, are arrogant enough to say, no, I'm not blind, I am fine. And it may be true, but it is not by what we do, but what Christ does in us. You know, Scripture points out the fact, three things. Number one, Anyone can be blind. The principal, even the pastor, can be blind. You know, some of us realize that those times in our lives where we feel like we're the furthest away from God, God is there, but we can't see sometimes, for we were born blind. Turn with me in 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Chapter 6, verse 8. We're going to jump back and forth between John 9 and 2 Kings, verse 6. 
And it's the story of Elisha's servant. And let me do a little background. This was a new servant to Elisha. If you read before that, Elisha's previous servant had gotten leprosy. Remember that? He had kind of taken some gold that wasn't his. He had kind of wanted a little extra for himself. And boom, there he's got leprosy. So Elisha's looking for a new servant, finds it. And we don't know when he found it. But here we have a story that's going on. And to set a little background, the Israelites kept being pestered by people around them. And Elisha kept reaching out. Verse 8 of chapter 6. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. For he was going to try and surprise the king of Israel and ambush them. The man of God, verse 9, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officer and demanded them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent his horses and chariots and strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And thus the story begins. Anyone can be blind. The servant goes out in the morning. He's hanging out with Elisha. What a great gig for a servant. He gets to walk with the prophet. Everybody knows about him. And he is that man's servant. Just before that, an axe head floated. Before that, I'm sure the servant heard about the previous servant. like, I'm not going to take any gold because you get leprosy. And so as you watch through scripture, you see this servant follow the story. And now he is the one who was chosen by God to be the servant of Elisha. And he's walking around in the morning. You can read for yourself. And he's walking around and there's a lot of commotion within the city. And he does not know what's going on. And I'm sure he turns to somebody and says, hey, what's going on? And they, Have you not seen? Have you not been up on the walls? And there he goes up on the wall. And there he is surrounded. This city. By an army. <laughs> and it freaks him out. He's like, what's going on? And he finds out, oh, they're here to capture Elisha. Oh, that's my servant. I mean, that's, that's my master. And he runs back, and you can follow with me. Verse 15, when the servant of man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. The prophet says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed the prayer. Oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Anyone can be made blind. The second one is that any time blindness can strike. 
because the army that was pursuing Elisha, who they thought they had him surrounded, this servant who had his blindness lifted by the Lord, that army coming in to capture, Elisha prays the other prayer. He prays the prayer. As the enemy, verse 18, as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And then, if you read the rest of the story, whenever you get a chance, you see them take a journey together where God leads his prophet. It's humbling to realize there are points in our lives where we are blind. Because a lot of times, we want to be honest with ourselves, and we want to be honest with the church, and we want to look at each other and say, yes, I was born blind, but now I see, for I have experienced the gospel, and I understand what it means to walk in the light of Jesus. And what an incredible blessing that is. But I want to challenge you, church, that it is bigger than even that. For Christ said, I have come to do this, but you will do so much more in my name to glorify the Father. In other words, Christ, he healed the blind, he healed the sick, he raised people from the dead. And we're going to be doing even greater things? How dare we? But do we? Turn back to John chapter 9. Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. And then it goes on, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6 of chapter 9. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sin. So the man went and washed and came home seen. My third point is this. How do we... How do we receive our sight again? By experiencing Jesus. But let me stop and say this. What did Christ do when he went to heal this man? He spit on the ground and made some mud. Now, take a side journey for a second with me. What does Christ say? I am the potter and you are the clay. From dust you are to dust you shall return. Christ used the very thing that we are formed out of. And I don't believe myself that that was out of coincidence because he could have spoken and that man would have been instantly made to see. He could have just reached out and touched him. And he did, but he used something ordinary. He reached down. I am the potter, you are the clay. And could it be that Christ uses us to open the eyes of others? Do you hear what I'm saying, church? The gospel, yes, is for us, but it is to be shared, but because we cannot internalize and just hide it. Because when we are filled with the light of Jesus, it just pours out. And everybody who comes in contact with us can say, blessed is he, for he has been in the presence of God. Moses, when he is the presence of God on the mountain, came down and everyone said, shield your face for we cannot be in your presence. It was too much for them. Is that what we're like, church? 
That when we receive the gospel, when we receive Christ, are we too much for those around us? Because, hey, blindness is comforting. It's a lot easier to sit than it is to allow Jesus to sometimes work in our lives. Because he's the potter, and we're the clay, and sometimes that's a little painful when the adjustments start to happen. And as the story goes, the man goes to the pool, and he came home seen, and then everybody in Reed for me later, everyone starts asking him, is that the guy? Wasn't he blind? Wasn't, what's going on? And the Pharisees come to investigate, oh, the church. They come to investigate. Some of the Pharisees said, this, verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Sometimes it's probably the best idea to go to the source of whatever's happening. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this the son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now you can see? They begin to blame others. Listen, when miracles happen, when people start to see, we like to blame. Listen, you said you were blind. I don't think you were really blind. And we begin to blame the other people. His parents, they said he was blind, but I don't think he really was. We begin to try to explain away because we want an easy answer to the miracles of God. It's got to be more complex. The Spirit of God works in incredible ways. And as you read on, the questions continue to go back and forth. Verse 25 is where the blind man who now can see answers. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And then a little later, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Verse 37, Jesus said, you you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the who? Blind will see. And those who see will become blind. You see, we have a great opportunity as a church family to walk hand in hand together, to understand there are going to be times in our lives where we will be blind. And when that happens, church, it doesn't mean that we expel them or we kick them out. It means we walk with them on the journey. We become God's clay and we allow God to use us so that we can open the eyes of the people again. Because as with the servant Elisha, Elisha's servant, you can see that God uses people to open others' eyes. 
That is our calling. That is our mission. And if that time comes and people become blind or come into the church blind or they may be in the church 50 years and they are still blind, we do not cast them out, but we walk with them for that opportunity. And thus we come to our young people. Yes, I'm a principal of a school and I'm going to talk about young people for a second. We're all young. Amen? Uh, yes. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and, and I'm going to tell a story here in a second. And when I use the word old about these people, I will then turn it into wise. So if you're old, that's all good. <laughs> it's gravy, all right? So I'm going to use for old people, wise people, because that's what you are. You have an incredible wisdom. And a friend of mine, true story, a friend of mine um, was going to different churches and doing concerts, he was a Christian musician, and he was going from church to church doing concerts, concerts for young people. Now, this sermon, please don't get caught up. It's not about music style, because that's not what I'm talking about, okay? We don't want to talk about that today, okay? So don't get caught up. Just follow the story. <laughs> and he was going around to different churches doing concerts for young people. And he came to this one church, and the pastor met him. They were getting all set up with his band, and they were getting set up. And the pastor came to him and said, listen, I know you're here to do a concert for our young people, but just know there's going to be quite a few wise people here. And, he, and, and, and my friend was like, what? There's going to be quite a few wise people here. And he said, in fact, they're not here to hear you. In fact, they probably won't even like you, and you will know it. And he's like, serious. And the pastor said, don't worry about it. Just do your thing and may the Spirit lead. And my friend was kind of taken back. And the pastor said, just wait. And so he got up there and, and he began his concert. And sure enough, as people came in, there was a lot of young people and they all came to the front and there was a lot of the wise people and they all sat in the back. And all the wise people were in the back and they were just sitting there. You know, some were smiling, others were sitting there quietly. And as he began his concert, he can tell the young people were enjoying it. He could tell the wise people, some of them were still smiling. Others, you know, may have been falling asleep, and others were just looking at him. And he kept going, and he just remembered the pastor just saying, just allow the spirit to lead. And he's like, all right. And he got done with his concert, and he went to the back because they were selling CDs and different devotional books and, and different things for the young people. And the pastor met him on the way back, and he said, listen. He said, I just want you to know, no young person's going to come in the back. He said, but don't worry about it. And my friend's like, what? He's like, just watch. And he went to the back, and they, they, they sat at their booth, and they began to get their stuff out, the devotional books, the Bibles, the CDs, and all of a sudden, all those wise people stood up and walked to the booth, and they just began shelling out money and buying 10 books and 20 books and 15 CDs. And they took it and they turned around and they just began to hand it to all their young people. You see, in Scripture, it says in the last days, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, it says, in the last days, Peter quoting from the prophet Joel, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In other words, people, it's going to take everybody. Everybody. 
It's going to take everybody to understand the latter rain. Because God's Spirit is not just going to stop on one. It's going to keep going. And our eyes are going to be opened. And at that time, we know right now, our young people are leaving the church like never before. But that is a great opportunity for us. Doesn't mean you have to like everything. And I'm not saying you just accept all the behavior and just wink and nod at it and just, no, it means walk with them. It means discipleship. It means journey with them because we are all blind and we have all been blind at some point in our lives. And in the middle of this incredible book called 1 Corinthians, turn with me again to 1 Corinthians 13. I know we're a little active today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a chapter that sticks out. And this chapter is an incredible chapter. I used to preach from it when I did weddings. Because it's a great wedding chapter. It's, it's about love. And is it marriage love, right? It's, yes, please. And, uh, and I used to preach and did sermon and did uh, weddings from this. And then I took a look back. And sometimes chapters do an insert, you know, an injustice to us because sometimes we just look at the chapter instead of looking at the whole concept of where it's at. And this is where I was at. Verse 13, I mean, chapter 13, verse 1. And right before that, it says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And this is smack in the middle of the spiritual gifts. Right in the middle of where Christ talked about the church, one body, many parts. And right after that comes the gift of prophecy and tongues, which are incredible gifts. But right in the middle is this important chapter that I think sometimes we turn into this love thing. And it is love, but it's more than that. So what, read with me. And now I will show you the most excellent way. 13 verse 1. Hang on with me. I know potluck's coming. I'm almost there. And if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but not, have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, and this is it, verse 12, and this is the epitome of where I'm talking about. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then... We shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am known fully. In other words, right now, our eyes are dim. Even we, when we pray for God, open our eyes that we may see we are still on this earth. And what Paul is saying here is saying, yes, right now, we see dimly, but there will come a time 
There will come a time when our eyes will be opened and we will know and we will see clearly. But until that day, remember, we see dimly and we walk in the light of truth. And love, I believe, is the greatest of gifts because Paul says it and Christ says, I am love. God is love. Scripture says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, love is the element of the gospel that sometimes we put away or sometimes we're blind to. And when we deal with our young people, it's important to understand, yes, I want them at Central Valley Christian Academy. I would not stand and be a part of Central Valley if I did not say that. But more important than that, if, if they are not there, more important than that is if they walk into a church that they may experience the love of a church, to walk with them, to understand that anyone can be blind, to understand blindness can come at any time, and that the third one is blindness can be done away with. But even at that time, as Scripture says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We are blind men walking. But the amazing answer is that in the great day of the Lord, when we hear Christ call, And you will hear with a loud cry, well done, good and faithful servant. For I am your potter, and you were my clay. Father God, we praise you right now for the church. For these wonderful people in the Parkwood SDA church. We praise you right now for the opportunity we have to walk together with you and with each other. And Lord, sometimes we turn our eyes from you and we stray. And Lord, sometimes that affects others around us even. But Lord, we remember to always go back to the source of the gospel of Christ. And that's the good news, that you came and you died. But more important than that, that you loved us and that you're coming back. So Lord, as we walk together, may we leave no one behind. In Jesus' name, amen.